Shafee. Shafee, are you there? Thank you, Mr. Tollaby, but the circumstances meeting are well known to us. There is no need of further explanation. Aye, let us be about the business. The business! Let us be about it. Very well, gentlemen. Let us be in the business of going about the business. <laughs> The sun has set on the hill country around Austin, Texas, and you know what that means. You mean, that means we're going about the business. We're about to go about this business of imaginary radio, this podcasting business, this one magical hour of Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. Good night, birds, and hello, the man with mandibles like the predator, the pride of Tarzana, California. You know him, you love him. The proverbial person inside two garages. It's Matthew Rampy. Well, it's too late tonight to drag the cast out into the light. We're one universe, they say. Make us laugh and then we'll do it again. One. I'm I'm not super stoked about the parody tonight. I didn't I didn't have a ton of time, but I don't think I'd done you you two yet. So I and, and it was another where I jumped right to the bridge. I think that those are effective. <laughs> I like that song. I love that song too. I didn't I do like... any justice. Let's just move on. Let's get to the. <laughs> I assure one magical universe that this cast is going to get better from here. Like, uh, there is. So, so sometimes I'm like, you know what? The parody might be the best part of the cast. It wasn't tonight. Sometimes it is. Tonight, we are very excited, friends. Tonight, we are welcoming old, old friend Rachel Schuchert onto the show. She is the author of a couple of books. She's written a bunch of plays. Uh, best known to the world as story editor for Glow and showrunner for uh, Babysitters Club. Is that right, Matthew? How does the right. it looks? It looks like she has writer producer credits on both of those shows. Yeah, it looks like she, I, I want to ask her questions about that. I hope that she's Oof. not too irritated it Shafi, we know a lot of really amazeballs people right <laughs> yeah that's the really interesting thing to me is we are going to be talking to someone this week who did theater in new york with me and then went out to hollywood exactly like it's well, the exact same trajectory as <laughs> yeah as jameson's <laughs> so that's really uh that's really fun the big difference is that Rachel's a writer, and you know writers are just worth their weight in gold. Unlike those actor types, yeah, actors um, are dispensable. Like the like co-host, like podcast co-hosts. And I think that's kind of one of the things that Jameson was getting at. You know, his favorite things to do were like the 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 that thing with Joe Chaikin. You know, the guy who is Samuel Beckett's buddy. Those uh, workshops where he was, you know you know, kind of either directing or being in a position where kind of the whole group directs. So 
it doesn't surprise me that, you know, that doing, you know, insurance commercials in LA didn't ever really capture, you know, capture it for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> I, wasn't our talk with him delightful? It was. It was excellent. It was, uh, it was thanks really so sad. much. Such a story arc. Uh, such a story arc with Jameson's story. I, I love it. Yeah. It, yeah. It thanks. Comes, thanks to him for all that comes, time he gave us. Comes full circle kind of deals. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. I got to point uh, out in an effort to save a show. To, uh, number each time. Welcome to episode seventy-six, the bicentennial episode. Bicentennial. Can you hear the? Can you hear the drums are rolling? Bicentennial. For our, baby. For our seventy-sixth episode, let's celebrate, folks. Let's get ready. Let's have some. Let's have some fun. Uh, real quick, I wanted to. I finally have. Ellen Ferguson finally came through with it. What we were looking for the whole time. And that was... Wait, did we ask a question and Ellen answered it? That, well, just... Uh, it started, you know, with a joke about the Falklands. And then we were just trying to... Trying to figure, you know, figure out what, what exactly went down down there. And then, of course, like, we went too far into it. And we got lost. And it, I would say lost in the weeds, as they say. <laughs> and then, finally... Ellen sent me an email and the the subject is just stupid wars. Which that's oh, okay. Yeah. I, I that could be both uh adjective about this particular war, but also I think maybe a commentary from Ellen about all wars. Stupid wars. Ellen says I was talking to get her Gary is her husband, Dr. Gary Anber Anderberg, mag magician and dentist. Uh, and jazz trumpet combo. player. Yeah. Yeah. It's typical. Uh, so <laughs> Alan says, I was talking to Gary about the Falkland war and he mentioned Reagan's war. That was the invasion of Granada. Do you remember that? I thought it was for certain military men to have conflict experience to put on their resume. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was just a continuance of the, uh, of the email that is not her i just read you the wrong email oh okay. that is that is welcome her to, continued um, discussion welcome of... to the uh wrong email segment <laughs> <laughs> oops the wrong email i did it again <laughs> oh shafy <laughs> <laughs> You should, I think you know. I'm starting. You should organize your inbox a little bit. Maybe, maybe uh, get rid of some of the spam. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I see people. You, you, I see people's inboxes, uh, and they have like thousands of unopened emails. Is that how yours is? You don't. You don't even have. You don't have any idea how disorganized this inbox is. But the thing was, I you know, I saw that subject heading stupid wars, and I I thought I already had the right one. Otherwise, I would have. At least tried to do a slightly better job of finding it. Okay, did you find the right one now? No. Oh, <laughs> I'm still looking, still looking for it. If you could vamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Um, remember that time that Shafee was reading us that email and it just turned out to be the wrong email? It's instant nostalgia. Have you ever had that? Like uh, somebody would be like, "Oh man, remember just a few minutes ago? That was awesome. Those were the best times of our lives." 
I feel like I have it all the time. This is she. Uh, I go ahead. Seventy six is a real milestone for us, you know, because I, I don't know because I was born in seventy six. This is good because I, I was worried that this episode was going to be too good. Are, so are I'm I'm kind of sandbagging here at the first. I'm deliberately sand exactly. Is I'm this, deliberately sandbagging to make is sure this that hashtag smooth casting. <laughs> Smooth Castorator. Ah, here it is. I said this is just the brief sort of. I could edit all that out, but I probably won't. But you won't. <laughs> it's good to wield power and just not use it. It's like counting coup. Let's put put counting cue on Yale Board Shop. No, I got it. Okay, you've got the email. No, I thought I'd found it, but I was wrong. Okay, I've been meaning to talk to you about show prep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's next then? Where's Rachel? She is on the way. Rachel, save us from ourselves. Yeah. Hello, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. You, you look good. You sound great. Thank you. <laughs> um, I'm good. I'm I'm in Vancouver. I'm in this sort of strange hotel suite where I've been quarantined yeah. for 14 days. <laughs> oh, you're quarantined. Yeah. Okay. So in Canada. In Canada. Yeah. That's what they make you do now in order to get across the border. You have to quarantine yourself for 14 days. I've had three negative COVID tests since I got here, but that's not good enough. Tomorrow I get out. <laughs> so. I'm and you will, and then you will be hanging out in Canada or? Yeah, then I'll be here for like another two or three weeks, something like that, shooting my show. What are you up to up there? Um, we're shooting my TV show up here. So I'm up here like on set. We just started a couple weeks ago. So I've been monitoring everything remotely, but um, it then I'll be back. Is that Babysitter's Club, or can you tell us what yeah, that is? Yeah, Babysitter's Club, set season two. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, we are, well, um, I've got to say that we're huge Babysitter's Club fans oh, in my house. My, I would hope so. my, <laughs> my daughter has all the um, uh, the Raina Telegmeyer uh, oh, graphic novels, novels, and yeah. then, then there, uh, the, another uh, writer took it over after that, and, and then we... Uh, we love the show. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah, man. So good. Um, we keep, Schaefer and I were talking about how we, 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 we know just like the level of people that keep coming and talking to us that are just people that Schaefer knows. It's, <laughs> it's quite astounding. Yes. Thank you for, thank you for spending some time with us this evening. Schaefer and I have known each other for Almost twenty years, I think. <laughs> okay, well, let's lead off. Let's lead off with the question. Uh, hey, Rachel, how did you meet Schaefer? Oh. <laughs> oh, she doesn't even know. <laughs> how did I meet you? I think it was a party. I think I met you at a party. I can tell. I I'll, I can take this one. You know this? <laughs> I can tell you the the night. I can tell you the exact. <laughs> 
I can tell you the exact moment I first saw Rachel Shukert. Let's go. We uh, it was at a uh, like a kind of a a surrealist variety show oh. in downtown Manhattan, like the podcast. And she came out and she was she was doing a Bette Midler impersonation and she had grapefruit in her brazier. <laughs> And that was, and you were probably age what, 22? Something like that. It's 21. <laughs> 22. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. And I was like, I have got to party with this person. <laughs> and you did. And that's what we did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rachel, just so you know, before you, before you uh, came onto the call, uh, I, you know, I broke down your, your many achievements, your books and your, uh, and your uh, uh, writing work. There, so, so they they need to get a little bit of a little bit of an introduction for you. I want to be the grateful lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Schaefer mentioned the Babysitters Club and Glow, and but there's also Cursed and Huge in France and Supergirl. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I've worked on a lot of TV shows now. Actually, that is amazing. Yeah, been a good one. I, I was trying to remember the name of your books were Have You No Shame and... Uh, Everything is Going to Be Great. That was my second book. Everything's yeah. Going... That's right. And I'll put links to those. I'll put links to those on the, uh, on the podcast Facebook sure, page. Yeah, so. you can still find them. <laughs> I think they're out of Our readers will... I'm sure so another... Oh, is another that right? <laughs> another tradition... My signed first edition is going up in value. <laughs> <laughs> Another traditional topic Another traditional. here is uh, regionalism. Rachel, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Holy moly. Mm -hmm. We ever had anybody from Nebraska on this show? I think that's the first time. Okay. We had a we had a polar vortex that came down here through Nebraska. Oh, yeah. I, I heard all about that. Uh, it, it, has, <laughs> it has found my parents even more than they've been housebound for the last year. Did you lose power and stuff, Shaky? Do you have give you wire and power? We did. I did not at my house, but uh, everyone I know did, and we lost power at the bar, yeah. and it was it was six pretty crazy days. It's been quite a year. The whole place just shut yeah. down. Quite a year. Not Everyone's so ready for more disasters on top of it, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, well, you know, the funny thing is, we're at least kind of. We're at least kind of, you know, ready for it. You know, yeah, like, it wasn't going for anyway. like, <laughs> we can definitely just roll with it, which is uh, is an interesting phenomenon. So. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a weird time. I think it's a poor cocktail for mental health is what I think it is. Disaster upon disaster. Twice, twice in one year, the stores sort of ran out of food around here. Yeah. First from panic buying from the pandemic and then like the trucks couldn't get in. For the and then like if you're a a single person, you don't have any, you barely have any like pasta and it, like people were like roaming the streets looking for something to eat. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I don't. Well, I remember going to Gelson's in Silver Lake the first week, of, like when it seemed like this LA was going to shut down. And I thought it was so funny because you know everyone in LA is so careful about what they eat and. And the pasta shelf was totally empty except for the gluten-free pasta, which everybody left. 
<laughs> Nobody wants that. It's like, I oh, know I don't have food intolerance anymore. <laughs> that is that is not pandemic pasta. <laughs> when uh so let's go back to New York, Rachel. <laughs> we uh you know, I was laughing today when I was thinking about this because I think it's just about you and I. You know, I had a lot of friends in New York who I had wild nights with, like, you know, and maybe, maybe a lot of wild nights. But I feel like our percentage of just whenever the two of us were together, I feel like it was just, it was 99% certain to be a wild one. I think that, I mean, it really just... It's a reflection of the combination of the two of us, I think. But uh, just, yeah, you know, there was, it wasn't just frequency. Because obviously you go out in New York City with enough people enough times, you're going to have a few weird ones. But I feel like with you and I, it was just guaranteed. Uh, and I was thinking about when we, when we were going to Safir's Redding uh, oh, yeah. at that place down in Chelsea. And we got off of, we, we, we got off on the wrong floor, <laughs> and we found another wedding, Matthew. And we like we we checked our coats at this wedding, and we walked inside, and we kind of knew as soon as we saw the coat check that we weren't at the right one, but we were just gonna roll with it. And we went in, and the band was just tuning up, and we had a we got just a big Maker's Mark cocktail at the bar. We met like great uncle Bobby, I think, I who, you know. Bride's father. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, we, and we, yeah, the band got going and we were the first people on the dance floor. And we're the only people doing anything. So the videographer took like 10 minutes of footage of us. How people's wedding video. Like uh, the father of the bride or whatever was like, oh, aren't you just precious? You know, sees Rachel. Uh, I was, like, very, I was a very uh, adorable <laughs> child. <laughs> and, then we the, and so we did a we did a full hour there before we went up to the the next wedding on the next floor up you're, in this pre in this big old kind of converted warehouse. Pre wedding to wedding. Pre wedding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, was, it was an honest mistake, but then we realized that the wedding we were there by accident had was much nicer. Like, I mean, not the other one wasn't, but this was like this was like a wedding that like the parents had paid for. There was like full catered everything. Like, it was like a super fancy sort yeah, of black yeah. tie wedding, and the other one wasn't. The one upstairs was a like a DIY punk yeah. rock wedding, which you know has its own charms, yeah. of course. But we got it. We kind of got the best of both. We were just like you know. Well, we put yeah, our, like, you know, well, I put on a suit, you know, Rachel was like, we got yeah, dressed up. We stayed, you know, no, we weren't bothering anybody. <laughs> and then at a wedding, everybody thinks that you're just with the other side, you know, they, yeah. they see you, they don't recognize you. Oh, you're with the groom or whatever. It was yeah. sort of like that scene in Working Girl when Harrison Ford and Melanie Griffith crashed the wedding to try to fast daughter's wedding. And she like pumped her in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make a note to watch that film and do an avocado review. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to review that one. Put that on our radar. Yeah. Thank you for recommending that. Um, but I think you're right, Schaefer. I think we did have. You guys were just like like uh, dynamite, like incendiary. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, mm. I just just open. open. Yes, I would say open. Open to adventures. <laughs> 
And then they find yeah. you, you know, if you're just like a person that says, okay, yeah, I'll go there. <laughs> <laughs> a certain amount of fearless, fearlessness too, I don't, I don't mind saying so. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and then, so, like I said, when I, when I saw you, you were doing kind of a vaudeville routine. We also worked together. Uh, I, I read for you in one of your yeah, historical you plays. Did. You did. That was fun. And the first which was super fun. Yeah. Oh, I also, no, I also did the one with you. Uh, yeah, you I did a did. Bushwick you did Hotel. Bushwick Hotel at the, um, was that the Ohio? Or was it, it was in Soho. <laughs> I remember it was in Soho. I had forgotten about that. It was it was Lori's side yeah, somewhere, yeah. Can you uh, sort of illuminate that? What, what are you talking about there for the for the uh, all of our listeners? It was, who it was aren't a play that, that right for all the, for the people that weren't the thirty-five was, people that died. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess there could be some crossover here between one magical universe and those people, but it, for, um, for the ones that don't have the crossover, talk was, to us about it. A play I wrote. It was a play I wrote that we did. Um, downtown this downtown theater i, I can't remember which one <laughs> i can see it and i can't remember the name of it and and she i remember the play because we were doing it after hours and the play that was going on before i think was that bridge and tunnel play yes yeah. by that that lady sarah jones yes the one so, that yeah. Meryl Streep produced yeah and we were in the basement kind of yeah. after hours god what was that theater called It'll come to me, but um, but yeah, we did that, and it was like and three little plays, kind of. Um, I mean, it was like one play that was in, it was like like Plaza Suite, like a very experimental sort of Plaza Suite <laughs> about different people. And there was, and Schaefer was One of the mini plays was sort of based on Sunset Boulevard, right? Yeah. No, I think, so. I'm wrong I think you're that. right. I can't remember. I have to. I'd have to find the script was. They were all, it seemed to be all relationships that were in some way odd. Like I was a piano teacher who was probably not into women, I would guess. That was the decision I made about my character anyway, <laughs> who was dating his female geriatric <laughs> piano student. Uh, and that's what that's was going right. on there. Then I was in this sort of... Um, Time machine kind of love affair. It was like the 1920s in my one or something, the 30s. I was like a secretary. And and it was, I can't yeah. the third one. one was sort of like Sunset Boulevard. That was the that was the other one. But was I Yeah, the, the third one was or I was the secretary to the like so I can't remember. I gotta find it. Now I wanna find it. I haven't seen it. That was it was a really fun, really, really weird, yeah. really fun play. Uh and then yeah, then we did the historical. We did that, and then we were we did piece. painted by quarterly. We were um, editors at painted by quarterly together, right? So we had the, yeah. And what is is we what's, on a, what's painted yeah, by literary. quarterly? What's that? Painted, painted bride. Like, painted bride. Like a literary journal. Um, so literary journal that started in Philadelphia and kind of was taken over by the Rutgers University group uh kind of uh our friend marion wren uh and some other people who were working at rutgers at the time 
uh, found some funding there. This basically this cool old funky journal was about to go uh, about to go under, and they didn't you know they didn't want that to happen. So, uh, so the Rutgers gang, this this group at Rutgers found some funding, took it over, kept it afloat. And, uh, and so we kept working on that. And then a bunch of folks, like actually Lindsay, who was on this show before, she worked as an editor there. Basically, any anytime Marion met, met somebody cool and like, smart, she would, uh, like, she would I don't know. Like, come, come work with You're us. Like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Do you, uh, yeah, do you have a, do you have yeah, a head on your shoulders? Can you read something and tell us why you think it's good or why you think it's not good? And uh, and by the way, uh, Rachel had written some very excellent poems uh, at that point. Uh, <laughs> remember when you came to the Frequency series and you like read that like it was like a crown sonnet about a perverted elf yeah, or something? Yeah, David Lee put that in Best American Poetry. There you are. I had no idea. You know. <laughs> no. Stickwithusskids.you'll'gopolaces.yeah.I've'published'poems.and'then'and'then'at'that'point'that's'when'you're'like'all'right'I've'I've'll'done'everything'in'new'york.yeah.well'I've'moved to'l.a.and'like'it
No offense to any actors in the crowd. Sorry, thespians. You, just, you also just get to make your own way a little more. You, you know, it's like you don't have to sort of wait for anybody to cast you to write something. So I liked that. I, I wonder, I feel like maybe there's something more abstract, though, as someone, you know, who's kind of done a bunch of different things like you have. I do you feel like I feel like writing and composing something, you know, anytime you create art, whether it's a whether you're acting or <laughs> podcasting or writing a poem or writing a novel, whatever, you know, there's there's a certain amount of kind of creative itch that's scratched, you know. Shafi, you're there's a, art. There's a there's an amount of good feeling that comes from doing that. And I would say that, you know, that the, you know, with acting, you know, you get this brief rush of excitement when you're on stage. And then I think maybe it goes away. I think maybe uh, composing a poem, then you have, then you have something in your drawer that you can always look at and you can get that good feeling back and say, Oh yeah, you know, I did this. It's in there to, to hold at any time. If you write a novel, then you have, that ex an extended period of good time happening while you're, while you're, you know, doing this big work. So that's another one that's going to have a lot of really positive feedback and whatever, whatever these good feelings that are, uh, that are generated by this act of doing this. Um, so I think, yeah, I think you would kind of, it's, it's maybe almost like an addiction. You're like, Oh, I got to get some more of that writing good feeling that I got, you know, rather than, you know, this acting good feeling that kind of goes away <laughs> until the next day. Or, you know, I think they, uh, I don't know how well I'm expressing myself, but I think there might be for something. For me, honestly, the challenge just... about writing for so long is that I'm really an extrovert in the way that I think. Like, I think the best kind of in groups, I think the best when I'm thinking out loud and when I'm kind of like collaborating and sort of batting ideas around with another person, and I really missed that about theater when I was like writing at home, you know, like writing books or writing whatever. And that's honestly, I think why television has been so great for me because it's a very social process. It's a very like um, interpersonal way of being creative. You're like in a room with other people all the time. You're coming up with ideas together. You know, you go away and you do your work and you come up with your concepts, but it's, the, it's really the only job I know where you're just sort of ideating with other people. And it suits me really well. Um, so it's sort of an it's it's sort of it's unusual I think for writers to really be sort of and I don't mean I'm an extrovert necessarily all the time just in my like social life you know like I like to be alone sometimes and I need to think and I need time to myself but like in terms of really being able to feed up other people's creative energy and to be sort of um, to to like have that augment your process as opposed to diminish it I think is kind of rare for writers I feel like a lot of writers yeah. you know, like writers, a lot of lone wolves yeah. yeah yeah i think that that's true in hollywood too which is why i think a lot of people kind of struggle with the writers room even people that are really great writers it's kind of a different skill than just being able to like write a good script um but it has really worked for me just by chance <laughs> you know what sort of like how many people are yeah, in yeah. the writer's room on or a typical it, production it depends, it depends on the show I and mean, like they, how about glow how many people were in that writer's room for glow I loved Glow. I, 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 I thought it was so good, man. Oh, thank I, it you. It was so cute, and it was so, it was so like, it was such an, a a great topic, you know, 
the, oh yeah i remember that so well the, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling and then the i don't know i thought it was fit and the the performances were fantastic you know like, I yeah, I'm good. I love, I love that show. I'm, I'm, I'm fanboying out over here, Shafi. <laughs> I know that you know that I know fans say this all the, all the time, and you know often they're completely wrong. But that's one of those where you looked at it and you were like, "That looks like fun. I want to be there with those people doing that thing." You know, uh, that was one of those that at least comes off that way. And I think whether whether it was actually that way or not, if it if it looks that way, then you've done something good. You know, <laughs> there's. That's I mean, a success. I've never felt in my process that if I'm really having a terrible, unfun time writing something, that it's going to yeah. be fun to watch. Like, if I feel like it's <laughs> fun while I'm thinking of it and working on it, I'm like, well, this will probably be fun for people. When it's, like, that, really a slog, for me at least, that's often a sign that, like, something's not working. <laughs> that makes sense. And then, how, and then the question was, how many, like, how many writers in that room, for instance? Well, that, that one, I mean, it, I think... I think it was usually, including Liz and Carly, who were the showrunners, I think it, it was usually about six, six or seven. Okay. Um, now, like, sort of big network comedies, those tend to be the, like, network shows, because there's so many episodes, at least they used to be, although those shows are kind of going away and the models changing a little bit, those tend to be the biggest rooms. Like, I think when I was on Supergirl, that, I think that there was, like, like 11 writers in that room, like 11 or 12. Oh, wow. And then, um, and on, on network comedies, sometimes there's even more people in there like literally are just there to pitch jokes, you know, so like they sometimes split into rooms and like one, like they'll split into two rooms and like six people are breaking the story and like figuring out like the outline and the structure of the episode. And then the other are just like a, a bunch of like comedians who are just like pitching jokes that they like plug into the script, you know, like those can be kind of bigger, but I haven't worked on a lot of those. And I feel like now especially those rooms are kind of going away as things sort of moving to this like shorter seasons streaming model it's more like a yeah. sort of driven so the rooms are a little smaller i in general i'd say there's in you know, babysitters probably also have like this last season we had that sounds like why a lot of fun to me why do you why do you think people are gravitate to Babysitters Club so hard? Like, what is the core appeal with Babysitters Club? Well, I mean, I know, I know, but I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have my own theory, but I mean, I think I think it's a few things. I I think people, I think it's one of the shows and it's one of those book series that you read because you want them to be your friends and you want to hang out with them. And being part of that group feels like something that you want to be. Like when I was a kid reading those books, I just I wanted to be one of them. You know, I wanted to be in the club. I'm I'm a Claudia Kishi. I <laughs> I kind of am too. <laughs> She's great. Yeah. I think um and I also think um as a kid, reading those books was and the show too, it's like they're very independent, which I think is very sort of aspirational for like younger, like no one's sort of, especially now I think kids are so kind of um, managed, you know, by their parents, everything's so supervised and scheduled. And, and those girls are really kind of like living in their own reality. Like they, they have their own club, they run their own business. They have sort of like freedom and gravitas and respect from their community and responsibility. And they're, I think that like people really- That's like just that. like the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 
so I don't, those freedom are and gravitas. Yeah, I also think it's that, like there's that was the that was, my answer was the same. By the way, I, I just want to yeah, yeah, that was that was exactly what I was thinking. I I think too like so much YA is about like romance and these kind of love triangles and um I think people like that, but I think the Babysitters Club is really not about that. It's kind of, it's really free from the male gaze in a way that I think is like refreshing for girls, even if they're not really able to define that, you know, like they just kind of are. And it's not sort of about like which boy you're going to choose or which boy is going to choose you. Like, you know, which I feel like is often like the bones, even of these kind of like um, YA stories that aren't supposed to be about that, you know? Yeah. My, my wife has mentioned that about some of the narratives that my daughter has gotten into. You know. Rachel, uh, my brother Dickie says hello, by the way. Uh, he obviously has really fond memories. There, there again, like, I feel like he was lucky enough, you know, he would come up every now and then for these extended visits in New York. And somehow he was lucky enough to just be on a few really special Rachel Schuchert nights. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I don't have as much memory. But <laughs> we uh, there's there's a limit to our. We do have an explicit rating here, but uh, oh, uh, there's no limit to what we can discuss on the cast. Uh, they do exist. They do exist forever. Uh, but uh. Brother Dickie and his wife Kathleen and I watched Babysitters Club, and we, you know, there weren't even any kids in the room. We were just three adults watching it, and we had a lot of fun. Although I think it got a little annoying for Kathleen because brother, because uh, Dickie and I were, we were identifying singularly Rachel Schuchert <laughs> moments in the show, and like, <laughs> we were like, oh, that's a Rachel moment. That's Rachel's fingerprint right there. And I think Kathleen, you know, Kathleen was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't get it. You know? like, and you're like, oh, well, you have to know Rachel, you know. <laughs> but it was super fun. Uh, we had a blast well, watching that show. I remember you being quite a big Lizzie McGuire fan, Paper. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Speaking of, speaking of things you remember and things you forget, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was. I would, I would walk over to your place in Greenpoint and find you watching Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> See, that's the kind of stuff that gets uncovered I would say, right here. I would say the hearth still burns for Hillary Duff. And, uh, oh my goodness. There's still coals oh left my. in that fire. <laughs> uh, it was, well, it was yeah, a delightful show. Felt like, it was like, I'll stay like by that. You like you have a you have a girly side to you that way. You you like to listen to Faith Hill. You like those <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think uh, I think Schaefer and I are both well in touch well, with our feminine sides, and and that. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about the other day was uh, Edie Brickell. I still. Love Edie Brickell and the yeah, New Bohemians. Not- <laughs> uh, and yeah, I feel like there's some people though that just don't even get it, get it anymore. People, uh, I don't know. Married? It's. I think. I think so. Yeah. 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 
How, how about that? That's that's one that I would not have predicted either, you know? Well, I don't know. I feel like the, like his third wife, like, those are, I feel like last ones are the ones that last. Like once it's all, all the kids burn off, oh, yeah. and then they're just like, okay, I'm done now. You want to, I think you want to, the last yeah, one is the one that like lasts. someone's third or fourth wife like that. Like someone like that. That's the position to be in. Yeah, makes sense. The career sense. is built. The life lessons have been learned. Then you can have. The Maybe they're a little worn out. You can have the like young second set of kids <laughs> that he like actually wants to be around to raise. That, that's the move. Yeah, yeah. I think there's like a folk song in that nugget of wisdom. <laughs> you you, you want to be somebody's third or fourth wife. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that song. <laughs> Uh, we should bring. We should get Willie Nelson involved. He could. Uh, yeah. He would have something to add to this, to this songwriting yeah. brain trust. I think. Yeah, beyond like uh, four wives, you don't want anything to do with them. So if you can't make it work on your third or fourth try, like you're never. It's not. It's not for you. You don't want to be yeah, someone's that's... fifth wife. The fifth wives are always. That, those are always like the three week marriages. <laughs> 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 what about a sh what about a show the uh, wives club? <laughs> I think we've got a I think we've got a seed to germinate this bad boy. You know, Edie Raquel did that two albums with Steve what? Martin. So that was, was like banjo uh, yeah. guys. But... Yeah, he played the banjo and she like improvised. I don't know. I, I, I think she yeah, it was mostly improv song lyrics and Kind of like you know they would they would just uh, knock it out together. That to me sounds. It sounds. I mean, it sounds like, very right. obviously that's. Like, it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna grab some. Uh, <laughs> yep. It, also, we mentioned Steve Martin on like every episode. I don't. <laughs> we can't. We're ne nary an <laughs> we're episode definitely. goes by when we don't talk about Steve Martin. <laughs> We're definitely Steve Martin sure. fanboys. All right. Uh, when Rachel comes back, let's give her a question from Jeff. Where's she going? I'm back. I just went to get some water. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, Rachel, we have, uh, we have a lot of content that's generated by our listeners. Uh, we call them One Magical Nation, as I'm sure you know from listening to the show. And wait, we're caught, one wait, of our but we're changing it up. One magical universe. Yeah, sorry. We're going off, we're going we, off planet. We, uh, you don't know who's listening. We don't. Obviously, and we don't like jive-ass geographical yeah. borders. We're universal. We don't like what. From Mars? The pictures of from Mars are so cool. Yeah, super cool. My little. Although, did you? <laughs> I read the. I read a funny kind of op-ed, though. I think it was in the Times about somebody who is just like, you know, these, it's amazing that we have these pictures, but I don't want to live in that place. <laughs> it's like, that looks like hell. <laughs> Red dust. <laughs> like well, maybe there's a little ice somewhere. I mean, it's a small stretch of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> on earth and you only took pictures in like the city. Oh, I see. So, oh, you think so? Maybe there's some really nice parts of Mars that we like just haven't found yet. Like, like nice hotels. 
I don't know. I'd like to live in the Fiji of Mars. <laughs> yeah. It's like Fiji yeah, yeah, but yeah. Mars. The uh my son, my little son is very into space, all in space, so we've been following the Mars expedition very closely. Just like Schaefer. He's How old is he? He'll be four in June. And he's just he's like love. Oh, this wait, wait, this reminds me. I, I followed you on Twitter before the show, and mm -hmm. you're a Taurus. And I'm a Taurus. I'm and then your and then your son is a is a Gemini? He is. He's a Gemini. Yeah, my my son is a Gemini too. This is this is dangerous. What, Just, wait, so what is your birthday? What is your son's birthday? I'm a Taurus. Yeah, but what, he, what day? Oh, oh, I'm Cinco de Mayo. Oh, I'm I'm Grace de Mayo. <laughs> oh, awesome! Yes, right in the middle of Taurus. Very Taurus. Very very. And cool. then and then um, my son is June eighteenth. Oh, my son's June fourteenth. It's pretty close spread though. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta i mean gemini's are weird man because they were the twins you know they really are like two different people like like lot. my son is so sweet but then at least when he started like really producing testosterone it, like How he has he? this switch he's he's six he'll be seven this year when do you feel uh, like the testosterone uh it's it started like five and a half and my wife read, you know, she was read. She was like, oh, there's this developmental thing where his body's really kicking up testosterone. And at that point, it became, listen, it's still all good. There's something I can give him? Uh, no. <laughs> no, love and support. I, I don't, you know. you Ex Give him extra oat yeah, milk soy, or something. Soy milk, but, uh... that should help. Should help. Up his pro progesterone. Yeah, um, he's so I know. He's already like very much like a like a rough and tumble little boy. Like I feel like from the time he was born, so I was just like, Theo. That's his name, Theo. I was like, and boys can like pink, and boys can like princesses, and you can be a princess. And he's like, mm, I'm a garbage truck. <laughs> 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 it's, just, it's like stuff is just. Yeah, I I really am a progressivist and am for women's rights and equality and equal pay and all of the even footing that we should have between the sexes in our society. And I, but I was lulled into like, oh, we're all the same. But then you, we had a girl <laughs> and then we had a boy and like they, as a baby, they feel different <laughs> even like, like, I don't know. Our boy was dense and our girl was light. And it, I don't know. It's, and they both. It's been such a trip for me because my family is like only girls. I have only a sister. I'm only girl cousins. Did you want, did you want a girl? I didn't think about it. I just sort of assumed I would have a girl because in my family, babies are always girls. And then I had a boy. So it's been a, and my husband thought it would be boy because in his family babies are only boys. Like he's one of four brothers, so he was just like, "No, of course it will be a boy." And I was like, "But I really did think I was having a girl because at the same time, when I was pregnant, there was someone I worked with was pregnant at the same time, and I had terrible morning sickness, and she had no morning sickness. And another person we worked with who has had both, he was, she was like, "Well, Rachel's having a girl, and Carly's having a boy." Because like morning sickness is worse with girls, I guess. But then I had a, we both had boys. <laughs> I just, I just threw up a lot. <laughs> Those are old wives' tales. I think so. That, that, is, that is pseudoscience. <laughs> yeah, it's 
sound. <laughs> Do you guys know that everyone in my extended family, from cousins, uncles, brothers on both sides, both my dad's side and my mom's side, every family, the children alternate between boy and girl. There's never been a same gender back to back wow. in the entire extended family. It's, it's really <laughs> weird. Huh. Huh. You're going to ask me a listener question? Oh, yeah. Cues from the J. No, wait, no, not a listener question. Oh, no, we, we know this. Yeah, we know this Oracle. His name is Jeff Jackson. <laughs> he lives in Kilgore, Texas. He <laughs> has this mind that does the desire of his mind is to blow other minds away <laughs> with these questions. <laughs> That are really, they're mind bending. So I don't know. I mean, I feel like we've talked a lot about like really, you know, shallow things so far. Now we're going to get into the deep stuff if you have a minute. Yeah, no, I'm ready for okay. my mind. All defense. right, here we go. Rachel, we also kind of, we, we also kind of, kind of inadvertently helped his marriage with this because. Jeff had all these questions that were banging around in his head and he would kind of just spit them out. Like while his wife was like trying to like parent and cook and work from home and do different things. And she was like, ah, it's like, stop asking me all these weird questions. And then, uh, and she actually got back at us. And she was like, you know, now that I hear you guys deal with them, I realize that they are fun questions because they're not coming at me, you know, 20 at a time. While I'm trying, well, I'm trying to get dinner on the table, you know. So the whole thing is, I think it's more fun for everybody that that Jeff now has this outlet instead of only, you know, only the dinner table. So I, I've actually been saving this particular question. I'm really excited about it. Uh, this is so. This is a special cue from Jay, uh, just for Rachel <laughs> Schuchert. Uh, <laughs> Thank you and everything. <laughs> What's the, is that what that's called in the business? Be... A sound cue? Yeah. I'll say before okay. we get into this, I've been like in isolation for 13 days. So like I'm uh, not. Oh, so your mind is. I'm already a little psychotic. Sorry, this is going to go. Wait, wait. Maybe we shouldn't do this. No, Perfect. no. Maybe, want... she's, maybe oh. she's not in a place for this. <laughs> I, think I, be, I think I'm in just the right place. <laughs> yeah, she's in exactly the right place. We're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of some things tonight. Okay, here you go. I've been like I say, I've been excited about this one. I think we should all answer right, it. Pass. But Rachel, Hard you pass can start. from me. <laughs> no, Matthew, you're definitely answering. What's what's an interesting midlife crisis you could get into? Well, I'll go first. Uh, uh, lux lux luxury sunglasses. I love the wording of it. I right now own three pairs of. Two hundred dollar sunglasses, and I think that's I I think that's part of that is I insane. feel like the richest man in all of Babylon right now because I own a pair of Ray Bans <laughs> and Oakleys and Costas, and I just I keep them in the case and I just like oh they're just and I I, I bought this pair of Oakleys and they're like mirrored <laughs> they're the they're the metal Holbrooks and they're like orange mirrored and they're like straight on the side and my wife was like. Is that a midlife crisis? So that's what looks like. I was like, no, I was like, no, babe. This is the prism lens, and I'm I'm trying to avoid macular degeneration. 
and 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 so it's cool okay there's my answer i i've i've uh, y'all a chance to consider things i would if i had a 200 it doesn't matter how much i pay for sunglasses in Not two weeks i will lose dollars for them you won't oh okay <laughs> No, I've had expensive ones before too. Lost, I've yeah. tried this. I just lost. Now the, no, you the funny lost, thing is, well, I just lost a pair of five hundred dollars glasses. Ooh, yeah. See, I would do that, you know. And now the fun, the fun thing is, you might find it again, like two years I down the road. Any, you know, I didn't even know they made five hundred dollars glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Send were, me you the only link. Get them, you can only get them in Hollywood, Matthew. I, 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 I spent too much money on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matthew, what would the wife say if you ran that uh, one by her? She'd be like, you've already got $600 worth of sunglasses in your hand right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, we both make our own money. It's fine. Uh, uh, who's next? Yeah. Um, you know, I, My midlife crisis? Or your go ahead. Crisis? I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay. I'm definitely well, ready. I, okay, go ahead. I have found myself on Instagram lately following all of these um, accounts that make really detailed like dollhouse miniatures. <laughs> like <laughs> like tiny like <laughs> like tiny super detailed like boxes of saltines or like a little tiny cutting board with like little tiny like all at like one inch scale, like potato peelings and like half cup potatoes and like the little tiny <laughs> and people and people then like set them up in these like incredible dollhouses. Like some of them are sort of modern and some are like period and some yeah, there's like this totally like sort of like like circa nineteen seventy four ranch house dollhouse with like everything in it. It's just and I I feel like that's a midlife crisis. I can't I start that just sounds pretty awesome spending to me. thousands and thousands of dollars, like recreating like the interior of like a, a house in like suburban, like the, like you know, like a split level <laughs> Midwestern dollhouse, tiny hands and like people like needle. Oh, uh, that is a weird house. scene. Weird scene. <laughs> it's a weird scene, and I'm I've gotten kind of like these people would just be like, I'm looking for the perfect sink for the mud room. <laughs> And it's like, and you thought, I think I just started following them initially because I thought it was like a like interior decorating Instagram. And then I realized that it is, but the sink is the sink. <laughs> and then I got even more obsessed. <laughs> I haven't started the, uh, myself, but I, I could what feel I? it. Another year of quarantine and I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my question was, yeah, are you, so how far out are you from buying your own dollhouse? Yeah, and then how far out are you from starting to manufacture there's, your there's own that stuff? that character that's... on the wire, you know, that he makes, <laughs> he's like always like making dollhouse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite characters like, on the wire. I'm yeah, he does that. Have a job, so, you know, like there's, but I, I could see it happening, especially like if Theo gets old enough to show like any interest and be like, honey, we're going to make a dollhouse, don't you like we'll put the wallpaper in ourselves, and like he won't want to do that, but I'll pretend that he does. And he, <laughs> uh, oh, he loves it. <laughs> my son loves his dolls. <laughs> like, my 
sounds like hitting it with like a golf club. <laughs> I feel like it can get, they can get really detailed and also unbelievably expensive, which to me feels like the real epitome of the life crisis. Like, is it something you spend a stupid amount of money on that gives nobody any pleasure and serves no purpose? Uh, you know, the, the character on the wire reminds me of a kind of a, a universal truth, and that is that if the right person does something, right. anything yeah. can look cool. <laughs> like, when that character on the wire was making those little things, I was like, oh, cool. That guy's making a tiny little couch. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of want to do was, that I was now. obsessed with this one that had, like, there was, like, the kids' room, but they That was the Detective Lester Freeman, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. Well, in this dollhouse Instagram account, that it, it's like they made they made the kids' room, but they made the kids' room messy. Like the kids, like like the kids hadn't picked up their toys, so like there were like little tiny toys. <laughs> there was like a tiny box of crayons, but like the crayons were like spilled on the tiny table. It's like awesome. dollhouse verite. We were like placing the things with like tweezers, like these tiny crayons that are like this thin. <laughs> like you have to take the tweezers to place them. You can have the uh, you can have the depressed boomerang twenty four year olds room. Like he came back, just <laughs> <laughs> laundry everywhere. <laughs> that's not me. There's like a bong that's like hidden, just sort of half heartedly, like <laughs> next to the chest of drawers. And there's like a little shoebox with condoms in it, and then there's like little tiny tiny condoms. What if you did a whole installation of just like pandemic houses? That's a good idea. Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. Because like, like, I guess like like a, like, whole, like a whole a whole hall closet full of toilet paper. Yeah, funny. is the idea that I, like I, I imagine every pandemic house is uh, is absolutely perfectly neat or the exact opposite. And I'll tell you which one mine is, and it ain't the first one. Uh, I, have, I, I mean, have, what kind of psychos are? Or keeping a perfectly neat house. Oh, uh, Rachel. <laughs> no, I mean I have. Well, okay. I I mean I have like a full time um, person there who helps, but but like as soon that as helps. She, but as soon as she's gone and the weekend is over, it's like a tornado hit it in two days, and then she like comes in and manages to like clean it again. But um, but it's we need to have her come to Austin for a couple of days. It's not, <laughs> Um, well, I she can't because I'm evil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> she ain't going anywhere. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's uh, it's. Yeah, Do you think she dreads Monday morning? No, I don't no, actually. No, she's she, not like. She takes care of my little boy mostly, and she okay. a boy for the right, right. You just okay. said tornado. It just like. Oh, I mean, yeah. Pick up after maybe, the tornado. Maybe she does. <laughs> But she, but then the real cleaner comes on like Tuesdays, so she doesn't have okay. to do the, like heavy stuff. Right. There's just there's a lot there's a lot of people to make my life rough, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's how any successful person is. Right? Yeah. You got to uh, if you're going to work on six different shows at the same time. And uh, by the way, is there is there anything on the horizon that we might like to know about, or that you can talk about, or maybe? That's not how it works, huh? You gotta. I can't. Do you have anything? Yeah, you gotta tell you about. You gotta I'm, wait till things yeah. come out. Yeah, they're. Not. That's what. Uh, 
I realized that as I was asking it, that it probably was an un un unanswerable question, but um, yeah. whatever it is, is yes. <laughs> whatever it is, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, I'm excited too. I've got some stuff on the book, a couple TV projects, a couple future projects. So I'm excited. Great. Ooh, future projects. Future projects. <laughs> nice. Uh, my, uh, my midlife crisis, it, it happened during COVID. Uh, I bought a skateboard. <laughs> Uh, and now I've been, I spent the last six months trying to get in good enough shape to where if I get on my skateboard, I won't immediately end up in traction. Mm. Uh, and I'm almost there. Almost there. You're getting what? in shape. Another You're couple months. In skateboard shape. <laughs> trying to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it was fun, you know, just picking out the skateboard and, uh, and, and then I was like signing up for all of the, like, the reddits like the old guys skateboarding reddits where you get like advice on like <laughs> like how to work your ankles out so you don't break them <laughs> it's like i know my. a few people that have, have taken this up i have to say during the pandemic mostly gentlemen of a certain age seems to be yeah, yeah. Sk skateboarding <laughs> skateboarding yeah yeah, uh -huh. yeah. um and Matthew's Matthew's son Griffin is turning into quite the excellent skater. So it's crazy, man. We've been going to the skate park, and he's. I want to. I want to be able to hang with him. He's fearless in a way that I was not. You know. Yeah, there's a skate park at our house that Theo really likes to watch. The boys and those. The, it's all boys. I like. I feel like still rarely. It feels like a very male-dominated sport. So I have to say. My daughter got. There is a. My daughter got roller skates. Um, and and we've been she's been roller skating at the skate park and there will be some derby girls there sometimes you know oh, there's a big austin oh, cool. roller derby scene and um yeah it's just like one of those kind of like a like bowl things you know um yeah and like the, he likes to watch the big kids and then he like tries to run down it like this is like and it's like yeah but i like run in there like, and pull him out of the way of these people but um, his little mask, it's so, like these little kids running around with their little masks on. <laughs> Sad. The pandemic yeah. has been hard on kids. I know. We all had COVID in December in my house. So we've oh. been through it mm -hmm. now. But um, which I guess is, I think that we have that, like, that, you know, that crazy spike in LA. I think it seems like half of all Los Angeles County residents have had COVID at this point. Mm -hmm. Wow. Even if you didn't know you had it, you know, but I knew I had it because I got, I got pretty sick. <laughs> yeah. But I'm a We had some friends that got I'm it a... and they got pretty sick. Yeah, I was. I have an, hmm? I have an appointment to get stuck tomorrow. I'm excited about oh, that. Exciting. Yeah, it was weird for me. I, I feel like, um, you know, what well, Theo didn't. Theo tested positive, but he didn't really have any symptoms. And then my husband um, just had sort of like mild cold symptoms. And then, but I had like, I was sick. Like it, it wasn't like, I felt worse with the flu, like actively worse. But the thing with COVID is it just had like this long tail from me where I was just really tired for like three or four weeks. It's sort of like having mono. That's what it felt like. Where I was like, I don't feel mm. horrible, but like I'm just like exhausted and I have to like take a nap every few hours. And like, but um, but now I'm like back to normal. Yeah. Good. Yeah, but it was weird. It was like weird that it took so long to get better. 
in in your current uh, locale y you guys are quarantined in this like a hotel yeah are, are you like are you are you like restricted to your room i mean you're in Vancouver. You can't see the sights. Well, tomorrow I can go outside. So what happened? Basically, the border with Canada is closed unless you're like it's like essential travel. And film and television they deemed essential, so you can travel, but you have to have like a letter from your production, and they they give you kind of a hard time at the border. And um, and then when you get here, you have to you go into self quarantine. You have to quarantine to isolate yourself for fourteen days, basically. So if you like live here you can you can be in a house like if you rented a house or something you go but like then you have to just like be where you are you can't go for a walk you can't go to the store you have to have like a plan to have like the groceries that are and stuff like that so i just i could have stayed in like i kind of wish i had chosen like a house or just something with like a yard because like you can go like in your own backyard or something but um i thought it would be easier in a hotel but it, i really have gotten a little bit swift in here I'm so sorry. Um, that sounds brutal. Okay. I mean, yeah. Now, now it's worse. I got in just under the wire. I, as of like last week, now when you come through, you have to do the first three days of quarantine in like a government-run sort of prison hotel. Oh my god! Spy on you. But I did have. But they do like the police came to my door. Sometimes like to check that you're actually in here, and they call you at weird times to make sure that you're actually there, and like. You have to download this app on your phone that you check in with every day, but I think it tracks you also, like it tracks your location. So like if you left the see, and then when the quarantine's over, then it like lifts and then you're like free to go. And then once you're out, yeah, then you're like totally free to be around and like, everything's much more open here because the rates of, I mean, I think in Texas it's been different, but LA has been really shut down, you know, for like a long right. time. So I'm kind yeah. of looking forward to like being able to like go to a restaurant and, like, you know, yeah. and be out and about once you're out it's a lot safer than it is at home you know yeah well i mean good for canada like taking health emergencies seriously yeah it is probably a little i mean i think honestly the, the biggest point of it is that they're trying to get um is to deter canadians from traveling abroad like it's like don't go on vacation to like mexico or whatever when we're going to make it really hard for you to come back but then everybody that's working here gets kind of caught up in this net you know Ninety percent of Mexican visitors are Texas senators these days. Actually, <laughs> I heard. That. I, don't, I don't know if you've heard that statistic, but yeah. uh, that was amazing. Oh my god, what a fucking prick! And then, <clears throat> and then he tries to blame it on his kids. <laughs> He's like, "I'm just being a good dad." Being a good dad. Sorry, sorry. I'm trying to be a good dad. I was just gonna drop him off. It was like, oh, you're gonna drop your kids. So, so your kids are young enough that they require an escort on a plane, but but old enough to travel unaccompanied in foreign country once they're there. <laughs> 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 so insane. Yeah. It really doesn't add up, does it? Sorry yeah. about that. He and his or... wife both had to accompany them, you know, because. And you understand why you, you both want to be there on the plane with the kids because like what if the 12 year old needs the diaper change while the 10 year old is breastfeeding or something right. <laughs> you, you have an excellent handle on this situation <laughs> well he's a terrible person <laughs> yeah. yeah we're yeah we're, we're all in agreement with that if anybody's, yeah. um, if anybody in one magical universe was unclear, we all think Ted Cruz is a terrible person. It's <laughs> a terrible person. He also just looks worse and worse every day. This is like so gross. Greasy sort of mullet that he was debuting on the Nazi stage at CPAC, yeah. like on the stage that's shaped like a swastika or whatever. 
now yeah. it's like it's really bizarre. He's, oh, I haven't seen any of the stuff from CPAC. I for, honestly forgot that that was going on until right now. The stage wow. is in the shape of what they're calling a Nordic rune. But it's a symbol, oh, Jesus a symbol Christ. that SS officers wore on their uniform. A fantastic. You guys didn't see it. It's a coincidence. It's a Nordic symbol. It's heritage, not hate. Are there like this? Does somebody own? Is there like a big PR lobby or something that's trying to generate like more work for PR companies or like what's like, what's going on? Like, it's weird. Did you guys like, did you guys see the gold uh, Trump statue? Yeah, they literally made a golden idol. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a caricature. It's not it like a bobblehead. Like yeah, he's like right. little tiny <laughs> legs and he's wearing like sandals. <laughs> he's wearing like swim trunks. <laughs> it's like the he looks sort of um I mean they're they're not really like great taste, these people. <laughs> That's the nicest thing you can say about them. <laughs> it's not like a, well, you're not like yeah, they're tasteless. It's not a real refined aestheticism that we see. Is this human centric design? Is this <laughs> is this design? That is bizarre. What? Schaefer's <laughs> looking at it in real time. Yeah, Schaefer just saw the golden <laughs> statue of Trump. <laughs> That's really That's weird. Really weird. Yeah. The alternate reality continues unabated. Huh. Really weird. <laughs> Listen, why would why at the end of the show would we just get political and and um, I had, uh, I was actually in the process here. of uh, I was digging up. I wanted to give a shout out to our Indian listeners. Oh, Rachel, we um, are huge in India. Schaefer and I are on, Schaefer and I are on our way to being Bollywood superstars. That's a good plan. Yeah, that's solid. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> we, we, we thank thank you. We didn't plan it. That's a good midlife crisis, though. Is there anything? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I I want to become a Bollywood superstar. Yeah, and going to give yes. up everything about your life to make that. No, I mean I. What a moment. Rachel, I have like, I can totally imagine it in my head, uh, but I, I think Matthew and I will be like the, uh, like the like the Regis and Kathy Lee of India, and we'll have to we'll have to decide down the road who's Regis and who's Kathy Lee. You know, I thought we were uh, like the Harold and Kumar we, of India. We, we both <laughs> we're both in touch with our uh, we're both in touch with our feminine side. Yeah. Well, he meant Regis and Kathleen. Oh, oh, right. So you're both Kathleen. Yeah, we're both kind of Kathleen. I don't know who's yeah. Regis. Maybe I'm Regis, actually. And not. And, yeah, you're and Regis. Not because I'm I'm, and not because I'm any less feminine. I'm just more Regis. Uh, because Kathleen and I are both redheads. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that um, 
Rachel joined us on this podcast, quite honestly. I, like I, I think it was a gr it was the greatest boon this podcast has uh, ever had. I literally have nowhere else that I can be. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's how <laughs> we caught her when she was locked in a hotel room for that's how we, that's how we get a lot of guests. That's how we get a lot of our guests. Like I can't believe. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure but that I'm Schaefer. Had... I'm very happy to be here. It's wonderful to see you both. <laughs> Schaefer had probably hit you up, and he was like, and you were like, "Well, I have a life," <laughs> and then your life was taken away. <laughs> Actually, I feel like on Thursday, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is perfect timing." Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I was. <laughs> I really, I texted you, yeah, honestly, in my head, I was like, take a look at your schedule, see if there's any way possible, you know, I was kind of like trying to set you up for like the, the 100th episode marker, there, around there somewhere, um, yeah. but uh, yeah, and then you got back, this was the perfect time, because your schedule is clear. Yeah, but tomorrow I get out, so tomorrow I get to go and see. I'm the unmasked part of my face. <laughs> and oh, um, you know. I'm so jealous right oh. now. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Because, you know, Theo's at home, so, like, that's been hard. But oh. um, this is the longest I've ever been away from him. But, oh. But he won't remember, right? He'll be okay. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll you might not be. You'll, you'll, you might not recover from that time, but... I, yeah, I've been having a harder time than him, I think. He, he's sort of yeah. like. But you're, but you're going to go like, are you going to go to a restaurant tomorrow? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm going to go eat at a restaurant tomorrow night with my director. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Since like March of last year. It's like, I'm really, we never even did outdoor dining or anything. And um, yeah, me neither. Me neither. Now I felt like now that I've had it, I sort of like I I would do that, you know. But um, but then it's just like hard. How do you go eat out? Like how do you go out to dinner with your little kid anyway? You know, it's oh, yeah. like a, it's so hard, and it's like you don't get to see your friends. That's not my family. It's like you know. I'm having dinner with you, it's such and such a night, and then it's like your turn to stay at home. <laughs> you know? right. I mean, I don't need to go sit in a restaurant with them. We only see each other. <laughs> what else do we have to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know. Well, Rachel, it's been so wonderful to see you and hear your voice. Anytime, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, wait, definitely. Just to be wait, Thanks just to be clear, you would do this podcast again if you were quarantined again. I would do it even if I wasn't quarantined. I would <laughs> okay. do it again. Wow, that's that's oh. the best. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to this podcast. Uh, yeah, we do have uh, we do have some regularly occurring previous guests. So if you wanna if you wanna get uh, 
status in the in the one magical universe. Uh, you. You have Mr. Steve Martin. <laughs> Steve Martin. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely. A, he's With a big Alex character. Oh yes, the famous house panels. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lindsay's mom. <laughs> Lindsay's mom is a regular current There's character. Gabby. Mm -hmm. The uh, our our Pacific Northwest mystic. <laughs> Who else? Gabby, we need to check in. We need to check in with Gabby. Schaefer's by the way, sister. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, oh, this is a pretty. Uh, roster I'd be yeah. Oh, definitely. There's Jeff and what and and Cat. Yeah, but don't worry, don't worry. We could get you Tom Billing. <laughs> <laughs> Your name's going right to the top. No, have the line at the bottom where it says like, like and featuring. Okay. okay. Oh yeah, yeah. feature. Yeah. yeah. And whatever. And Sir Anthony yeah. with their yeah, jewel. Uh huh. <laughs> Rachel, have you ever listened? Have you ever made it to the end of our podcast? I think so. Do you this know our sign off? Would this, remember. Is the, this, is, this is the dumbest question that I ask people. <laughs> uh, never mind. <laughs> I'm sorry. Schaefer, take it from here. It's. It's increasingly hilarious because the answer is always no. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Jameson knew it. <clears throat> so we have a sign off and it goes, the poorer the choices, the sweeter the wine. So if you would please give us the cue. What's the, wait, the, what's the cue? I say the poorer it's, the choices. Okay. Say the yeah. first half. All right. The poorer the choices. The sweet of the wine. We love you, One Magical Nation. She took her eyebrow piercing out The summer before She went to work at the agency Now the battle she fights Under fluorescent lights Smack of complacency What happened to the girl In the punk rock group Was she meant for a life in a queue Working late just to die In the Manhattan night Squeezing toothpaste into a tube But she's still Bonnie Tyler On a Saturday night At the karaoke bar Blue swirls round her brain Like a Lionel train Singing total eclipse of the heart
face is reflected in her computer screen as she turns to the spreadsheet at hand she ain't got a co-op or a 401k but she's thinking about starting a band Cause she's still Bonnie Tyler on a Saturday night At the karaoke bar Blue swirls round her brain like a Lionel train Singing total eclipse of the heart Yes, she's still Bonnie Tyler on a Saturday night at the Cario.